We're going to get into Bachelor Party. It's Fantasy Suites week after all. But first, let me tell you about some other projects going on at The Ringer. First of all, Atlanta comes back this week. You're probably excited. Many people at The Ringer are. And as a result, we started a new podcast. It's called Recapables, and it's beginning with Atlanta. Each week after the show, we will have a quick podcast recap from a rotating cast of Ringer staffers who love the show. You can subscribe to it now. Episode one is recapping season one to get you caught up to speed. And on Thursday, March 1st, the first episode goes live right after Atlanta airs on FX. So check that out. And meanwhile, if you're looking for stuff to read, we are going deep on Oscar coverage on TheRinger.com this week. So check that out and listen to the recapables. Now let's batch. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm here with Andrew Gordadaro. Hi, Andrew. Hey, what's up? Uh, Fancy Suites, big week. Oh, love this episode. Is it your favorite episode? It's many people's. Uh, yeah, I think it usually is. And this season, it was by far my favorite episode. This really? Season. Wow. Yeah. It was Rogers as well, which you can read about in his recap on TheRinger.com. It was not my favorite, but I have a Ooh. few theories about why that was. And let's begin with talking about Lauren's day, because that contributed to it. <laughs> Lauren is as boring as ever. She's I, extremely boring. It's unbelievable. I kind of feel bad for her. She's obviously so nervous, but I, why is she so nervous? He's clearly very into her. He's so into her. And she like pulls this thing where she's like, you need to straight up tell me you love me. Yeah. <laughs> and she, he's like, okay, fine. Uh, but yeah. yeah, she doesn't talk. She doesn't, she doesn't seem like she's having fun ever. Like they go and look at these amazing geographical Nazca lines and she's like, oh, cool, a dog. She doesn't really have um, a taste for the finer things, it seems like. <laughs> no. And so like she was like, oh, a plane. Yeah. And that was kind of the most she was excited. She probably had the coolest date, I would say. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, she was like exposed to like Inca culture. That's basically. a that's a, like a world heritage site. That there are only like fifteen in the world. Yeah, and she saw one of them, <laughs> and she she did not care. All she really thought about was how nervous she was. And if you're that nervous, I mean, I guess it's the TV show aspect, but don't you think he'd want someone with a little bit more confidence in their relationship? Yeah, and it's is this the third time that they've gone on a a one on one date, and it's just been the most boring thing you've ever seen. Yeah, plus her hometown, which was right, which was in some ways actually kind of good because her family was so anti Ari and anti her engagement, right. but. I don't really know how they spent their time. It almost seemed like their date was the shortest of all it of them. It was quick because it seemed like they got off the plane immediately and then they just sat by some water yeah. for a while. Yes. <laughs> that was it. And then they had dinner. Yeah. And that once it seemed like she was like, all right, once I get him to say, like, you love me, let's just get this over with and go straight to the suite. Yeah. She was like, are we done? Yeah. Can She's we stop? Like, let's just go for it. <laughs> um, I think they had the best room. Of the, oh yeah, of the He's, three was was that like a little pool? Yeah, inside? it was in in room Imp- jacuzzi or pool. I was so impressed. That's really like <laughs> top of the line. Yeah, I was. It was way better than Becca, who we'll get to. She had to mm-hmm. sleep in a freaking teepee. <laughs> she was in a, the desert, a high end yurt. Who <laughs> yeah. wants that? Yeah, I felt bad for Becca. Um, back to Lauren for a second. <laughs> she seemed the most happy after the overnight, in my opinion, of the three. Yeah, I would say so. She, I, she's just like. She really got him to be like, I'm super in love with you. And like, we're married now. And she was like, yeah, we're married. <laughs> Pulling the I might quit card was obviously very effective and scared him. Yes. Yes. I I really think we've underestimated how good she is at playing this game. Do you think that he has an interest in like saving her, or like rescuing her? 
Because <laughs> perhaps that plays into her attraction because his attraction. Otherwise, it's inexplicable. I think it's mostly like he's not great at talking. She's not great at talking. So like they just aren't great at he's talking relieved, together. He's relieved to not have to do it with He doesn't her. have to. Yeah. He's just like, we can just sit here. I would say the most notable part was the Leanne Rhymes cover. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Very infrequently is there a recognizable song yeah. on this show. It was How Do I Live Without You. Yep. And which which was the original version? So Do actually, you know? there's a piece on the ringer.com about this amazing thing. It came out when we did the good, bad movie stuff. Oh, yeah. Because oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's for now. Con Air. Yes, thank you. I actually do recall now. It kind of gave a legitimacy to their date that the others don't get, though. <laughs> yeah. High production value. Yes, because it was like a, a recognizable song, and that almost never happens. I know. It was shocking. Because the do- the dominant sound of a Lauren and Ari date is silence, mm-hmm. a song that you actually know is really impactful. It was it was interesting. But, I mean, the, the best part of the date was uh, the Leanne Rimes cover, and we've covered it. So let's move on. <laughs> I want to talk about Kendall, who probably had... Uh, the weirdest date, if I had if I had to guess. Yeah. She went first. She was wearing sort of like a grunge outfit. Yeah, she had the flannel wrapped around it her It was waist. like inspired by an amalgam of both Renee Zellberger and uh, Liv Tyler's characters from Empire Records. Totally. And yeah. she was wearing jeans and I think Converse and then like a weird ruffly crop top and then um, a uh, flannel around her waist, as you mentioned. Yep. And then they proceeded to roll around in sand dunes together. It didn't look that enjoyable. Not that enjoyable. <laughs> it looked awful. For Kendall, she definitely had sand all in everywhere. her hair. Yeah, Just everywhere. sand everywhere. And like, Too much sand. Particularly like with still shoes on. Yep. There should be like special clothing for rolling around in sand dunes. That's what you're going to do. But they must have told her like you're going to the desert. I guess, but if, if someone was like, you're going to the desert, I would imagine Palm Springs. I wouldn't imagine like Tatooine. <laughs> literal, yeah, literal desert. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, it was. It was so weird. And what did Ari say about, about Peru? First of all, the one quote that I loved was dune bugging is like a relationship. Yeah, that was absurd. And then he said, you know. He's definitely never been in a relationship. And I that. said, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what could he possibly have meant by that? Well, I, he tried to like launch into something about how there are ups and downs, but it was just like a half formed, half formed analogy. It, it didn't was, work for me. It was pretty bizarre. It seems like he has fun with Kendall. Like if he could just sleep with her once and be out, which is kind of what happened. Yeah, he, exactly. He would be. Yep. And so she did go home this week. Which, That's exactly what happened. Which prompted a good question from Tia on the woman tell all. Did you watch that, by the way? I did, yeah. Uh, it was like a, a nightmare. It was long. I, it was two hours. That's yeah. way too much. Way too I, long. I love, obviously love The Bachelor and I loved Winter Games, but it's just been a lot of a lot of minutes to get through. We've been loaded with Bachelor Seriously. content. Yeah. It's honestly hard to keep up. I don't I know. know how the layperson does it. I get to do I it know. at my desk during the day. Right. Um, but so Tia asked at the woman tell all, if you had doubts about Kendall and she had doubts as well, why didn't why did you pick her instead yeah. of picking me? Which why do you have an explanation for that? I really don't. I thought there's been multiple times where I thought Kendall was definitely going home. Like I thought she was going home when it was her versus Crystal. Me too. I was like, oh, Kendall's definitely going to lose, and then she somehow didn't. And then when it was down to her and Tia, I was like, oh, Kendall's definitely going to go home, and then she didn't. Yeah, I don't get it. I think he just um, doesn't know people who have like a textured personality, and so the fact that she's she, so quirky, quirky, <laughs> made made him want to keep her or something. He did use that word a lot. A lot. <laughs> he also was like, yeah, I got past the taxidermy as if it was like some sort of kiss of death. <laughs> yeah, that was really bizarre. I learned to live with it. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, I didn't really get that. No. Like, okay, it good was, job. It like I guess the one downside of this episode, I was extremely entertained throughout, but it was like 
okay, obviously Lauren and Becca are going to move on. Yes. And Kendall's going to go home. Yeah. There was no drama there was in a, that sense. There was no question about if that was going to happen. I also wasn't even sure Kendall was upset. Like, it's just sort of like they both agreed it well, was that was a wrap. She was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. She's so quirky. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm moving on because their goodbye. She had one of the best goodbyes by the fact that she wasn't upset. Like in the history of The Bachelor. Yeah. She's really going out on top. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like she rejected him. Yeah. I also liked um, what Kendall was asleep, but what she woke up in. Yeah. Did that you was notice? a good look. She was wearing basically Sophie shorts. Are you familiar with Sophie's? No. Sophie's are <laughs> just like cotton shorts from mm-hmm. this brand in North Carolina that you can like buy at Sports Authority. They're like $15. Yeah. When I was 15, they were like really cool. Yeah, I definitely recognized them. Yes, they're so few shorts. They're like cheerleader shorts. <laughs> sure. So she was wearing that in like a regular shirt. Like she didn't like pack yeah, yeah. any special clothes it was, or it, like no like hot outfit for the, right. the morning after. It was after. just like a comfortable look. <laughs> yeah, I was exactly. I was into it. I liked it too, but I definitely noticed, particularly compared to Becca, who we can get into, who was wearing like, she got so screwed. She was wearing some like <laughs> right. si- like short, silky wrap thing in the fucking in desert, the desert. In a yurt in the desert. <sighs> It sucks so hard for her. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so Becca brought the fireworks this week. She had the oh, third yeah. date, and it was the most notable, not really because of anything she did, but because her ex-boyfriend showed up. Yeah. And his name is Ross. Ross. And Ross Jurgle. Jurgle. Bad last name. Uh, very Tough bad. Tough last name. Ross's official title is sports performance coach where he is part of the football personnel at Stanford University. That's awesome. It's pretty impressive. That's an impressive job. Ross, also quite handsome. Yeah. I would say he's more more handsome than Ari. Yeah. However, I think if I only saw pictures of him, I'd be like, yeah, Ross, what's wrong with this guy? (laughs) He did not acquit himself very well when he showed up in Peru. roasted. Roasted. He did not come off looking great. No. Like, first of all, Ari, like, gave him the whole... He acted like the bachelor in front of him and was like, yeah, dude, like, do what you got to do, but just know. And then the second he left the room, Ari literally called him a fucking nerd. The whole thing makes me so angry and upset. nerd. Blows my mind. Guy has huge balls. Or he's crazy. Fucking nerd. <laughs> and it got a lot of bleeping out this week on, on oh Bachelor God. Nation. because they loved were, it. On the, on when the women tell all, there was pickle dick. Yeah. Oh, my God. And what? the C word used to yes. refer to women. Yep. Uh, and now a fucking nerd. <laughs> I but loved it. I think fucking nerd is usually a compliment, though. I'm like, what a fucking nerd. Like, <laughs> in like, a, in like a, oh, yeah, I like that guy. It was just way. said with so much disdain and like, Ari put on such a nice face to him. And then immediately when he left the room, he just dissed him. And then... Becca was like, you watched The Notebook too many yeah, times. Yeah, <laughs> that was amazing. She's like, you think this is going to be like The Notebook where we come back to each other? And he was like, yeah, I do. Also, she's perceptive. He was like, I talked to the guy and blah, blah, blah. And she's yeah. like, wait, you talked to Ari? I really liked watching her right. mind work and her having this re- like revelation yep. that she talked to Ari. And if I were her, I would certainly have been freaking out, which she was. You talked to Ari? Yeah. Today? Yeah. Why? I uh, just wanted to make sure that I can come Ross, in and do this. Ross, oh my god. Like, oh, this is like and I told you, him I didn't, I this told is him like you order. inserting yourself into my life more yeah. and like that's not your place and like yeah. it's my relationship. 
I just probably had sex with this guy in the desert, and now we're and now we're breaking dealing up with this because Ross, the freaking Stanford Ross football coach, showed up. Ross, who watched the Notebook once, showed up. Yeah. Watches the Notebook once. I thought that Becca actually handled it very well. She clearly is not. There's not even a question yeah, that no, she's into him anymore. She did. She did. Uh, she was level-headed and was straight up just like no. no. <laughs> so here's the thing about Ross showing up. It, obviously, it's very hard to believe he would show up without a producer calling him and yes. being like, here's, here's yeah. where we are. Yeah. So, of course, we have to, like, take that into account. But who even benefits from, from Ross showing up? Like, like is, it's not even that good for the show. <laughs> yeah, no one wins. I guess, it's one thing, it's kind of like, it's like a hard thought experiment, but for the last, like, two or three weeks, the finale has been really built up. Yeah. And on The Women Tell All, Caroline calls out Ari, and she's like, I know you did, and right. it's an allusion to whatever happens next week. If we didn't know about that, would there be other drama to cite that was, like, fun this season? Because um, I'm wondering if they were worried the season was too boring, so they called up Ross. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, but my, my, I'm just talking myself in and out of this. Right. Lauren has right. two ex-fiancés to call yeah. upon. That seems, like, juicier, and it seems like Ari's more into her. Yeah. Like, Ross and Becca broke up more than a year ago. Yeah. And, like— and they were they met in college. It's like college relationships often just come yeah. to a natural end. And after hearing like him come in, I was I was never like Becca's gonna say yes to him and they're gonna leave the show. Yeah, you know, I was that was never really an option. Yeah, I, I I don't really know either. Like I'm just trying to understand the motivation behind having Ross from Stanford come. I do enjoy people looking stupid on tv though sure and he looks stupid also he was wearing a suit which i really liked he like a pretty looked, tight suit tight suit and he looked white hot. shoes yeah he looked really he looked like a like a a joke from a comedy movie yeah he did what did you think about ari saying to him well we've told each other we love each other we've said he let we love each other i feel weird in general about ari's like he just launches into telling these girls that he loves them yeah so is this i'm glad you brought this up this, this is, is not unprecedented this is not no ben did it too but when okay. ben did it it was a huge deal that he told right. two women that he loved them yeah it's questionable and so i don't know i i don't know why there's not more being played up of the fact that ari told both girls yeah that he loved them. it seems like malpractice almost it is it's, <laughs> right. it's it used to be against the rule like it used to be like the bachelor yeah. can't tell you that they love you but it seems like that's just out the window now he's just throwing it out all over the place yeah it kind of makes me mad i'm just like not because i feel bad for one woman or the other like with ben he was like so miserable over it and like mm-hmm. seemed like sick over having told two women he loves right. love them Ari is just like, it's ain't no thing. Yeah, like, yeah I love, 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 love both of them. Yeah. It's like, does he know what love is? Do you I mean? Cue, cue I don't know. That, yeah, I don't know that he understands the, the gravity of it. I believe his connection with Lauren B because he's talked I, about yeah, it so much. Fully. They seem really into each other. I don't believe it with Becca. Do you? No. I get that they like, like each other and they've had like good dates, but I don't know. I, I'm not feeling much from her. It's I like it if, if she would be a little bit tougher with Ari. Yeah, totally. She's just like too nice. And like, Ari loves that. I know. Well, he you, loves when girls are like, can't stop you take, being a dick. Yeah, take a piece of the strategy from Lauren, you know? Right. At the end, there was a moment when Ari pulled aside Kendall to tell her she's going home, mm-hmm. where uh, Becca and Lauren like whisper to each other. <laughs> I loved it. And Lauren, <laughs> Becca was like, this is becoming a, p- a pattern. Yeah. And Lauren's just like, I feel sick. <laughs> that's them like to a T. To tea. a T, yeah. They, that's them in a sentence. I've noticed that Lauren doesn't seem to have friends. Oh. Can you think of her interacting hmm. prior to this 
chat with any of the other women. No. And I think that's actually what I was trying to get at when saying that she's been like underestimated as a game player. Yeah. Like I think that goes into how she's been able to just coast. She might, season. yeah, she might be the true I'm not here to make friends woman, but she's just right, not but saying no one, it. Yeah, no one even thinks it. Flying under the radar. She's a, she's and a real gamer. Like, I always think it's a mistake to be like, to go up to The Bachelor and be like, you got to watch out for this girl that always backfires, like backfired on Tia yeah. when she did it to Becca. Absolutely. And she's not doing that at all. She's literally not talking. I know. So. <laughs> and like the one, the other time we saw her have a freak out, it was pretty early on when she goes to the producers to talk about how stressed she is. Yeah. That was to the producers and not to the other women. Like yep. she doesn't have like a friend that's her confidant where I think almost everyone else does. Yeah. Let's talk about Chris Harrison for a second because he's next on this podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Talk to Chris for wow. a while. His TRT this week was a whopping 63 seconds. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Chris Harrison about his TRT. And, you you know, I think it got a little testy. I'm I'm excited for for you to hear it, for other people to hear it. I will also say um, Chris Harrison called in because he's super busy. Sure. And so the first, like, 90 seconds, the audio is kind of crappy. But keep on listening. It gets a lot better. I promise. Yeah, it's worth it. And I I just, um, we were talking about Winter Games at the beginning, so I I can't possibly cut it. You know, I love Winter Games so much. Uh, It was quite a performance for him, though. They did a lot of um, facial reactions from Chris Harrison while Ari was talking in his 63 seconds. I don't know if you caught that. Not really. What what kind of emotions flashed on Just sort of, like, concerned (laughs) and just a little, like, really feeling for Ari in, in his uh, tough times. Chris likes to bro down, you know? He oh, he likes to get emotional does. with his bros. He definitely does. It also was shockingly little amount of Chris Harrison because yeah. he didn't even get to come in at the end of the rose ceremony because he just walked Kendall out. Usually usually Chris kind of shines in these later, later episodes. Absolutely. We're going to get into Chris Harrison and let the man talk for himself. But first, let me tell you about my sponsors. Life is too short for bad food, for mediocre delivery, and for settling what they're slinging down the street. You're hungry for something better, and let Caviar deliver. Caviar brings you quality eats like Suvla in San Francisco, Toki Underground in Washington, D.C., Momofuku in New York, or John and Vinny's in L.A. I'm talking delicious meals delivered from the best local restaurants. You'll find exactly what you're craving, and Caviar delivers it all right to your door. It's food you want to feed your family, your friends, and your coworkers. So get the Caviar app or order online at trycaviar.com. Try Caviar today and pay no delivery fee on your first order. Plus, take $10 off your first order of $30 or more with the code BACHELOR, valid until March 31st, 2018. Caviar delivers to the office, too. If you're working through lunch, planning a big meeting or event, let Caviar cater. You can use the GPS tracking and watch your order get delivered. Caviar is the way to get quality food you want from your favorite restaurants. Remember, pay no delivery fee on your first Caviar order. Plus, take $10 off your first order of $30 or more with the code BACHELOR at trycaviar.com. If you follow Bachelor Stars on social media, you probably are familiar with Movement Watches. This company has grown like crazy, and now with almost 2 million watches sold in 160 countries, they continue to revolutionize fashion on the belief that styles shouldn't break the bank. I don't know if you've checked out the site lately, but they have doubled the number of watch styles, and they're still expanding. 
today, as I record this, I am wearing the Dorado Movement Watch, and I love it. I've also gotten several compliments on it. I kid you not. At a department store, you're looking at $400 to $500 for a watch, but Movement Watches start at just $95. The one I'm wearing was $145, because Movement figured out that by selling online, they can cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing you with the best possible price while still offering classic design, quality construction, and styled minimalism. Get 15% off with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash bachelor. Again, that's mvmt.com slash bachelor. See why movement keeps growing. Check out their expanding collection. Go to mvmt.com slash bachelor and join the movement. Let's just hear from Chris Harrison himself. Right now, you know, when The Bachelor first started, no one could have anticipated that it would not only be a national phenomenon, but a global one. The Bachelor can be found all around the globe, dozens of countries. So we thought, why not bring together our favorite men and women from the international versions of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, along with your favorite American suitors, and put on one big global celebration of unity and love. And that's what the Winter Games is all about. That's what we're going to do. Are you guys ready for it? I loved Winter Games. Like, I'm sad that it's over. Was it was it fun for you to host? Because you were you were like really in it more way more so than with Paradise and certainly more than like The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Yeah, I was much more involved on a lot of levels as host, as executive producer, you know, helping create the show. And, you know, look, The Bachelor is is my baby and I love it. Uh, But at the same time it's pretty formulaic. We know what we're going to do. I mean, we haven't even begun to get into the bachelorette, but I have a good idea of how that's going to go with winter games. We had no clue. (laughs) And we, we kind of literally showed up and we're like, okay, let's, let's just kind of throw it against the wall and and see what sticks. And by the way, kudos to the cast, uh, domestic and international that allowed us just to make things up as we went. It was like really fun to watch. I have a few follow-up questions based on the after show. Did you know that Luke had not spoken to Stassi since filming ended? I did not. I knew things weren't great. I didn't know the extent of, of which things had gone south and I didn't know why. Um, until I got there that day and I was talking to, so, you know, each kind of couple has a producer that keeps in touch with them uh-huh. and, and makes sure, you know, up on things. And the, the producer filled me in on, on exactly what had gone down, at least from her perspective, I had not heard from Luke. And, you know, one thing I'm careful of as the host and, and kind of officiator of all these things is let's, you know, listen to both sides. And Dossie, who we love and adore was taken aback that, you know, this guy not only didn't contact her, he didn't even get her number yeah. and didn't even really treat her as a friend. And so I was, I was pretty appalled. I, I think we all were that, you know, what had gone down and, but I wanted to hear from Luke and, and let him, you know, either save himself or hang himself. And, and I guess, you know, you, the jury will decide what he did. Yes. I would say he hung himself. And also it seems very challenging to not have her number. I imagine there's like a winter games group text after the fact. And well, that's the thing, you know, that's what I, that's what I found, you know, probably the worst. Is, and, and her point was, it's one thing to not date me or fall in love. That's fine. But it was another thing to not even treat me like a friend. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure he was texting other people from the show. And not her. And so that that was, I think, the worst part is, you know, just to ghost her, as you, you millennials like to say, <laughs> um, was, you know, that, that was pretty rough. It was not well played. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. We saw we, you know, and I love that moment when um, you see Ben talking about uh, 
how badly he defended himself. And you know, Ben's always honest, so genuine. So I, so I, you know, Ben is one of my dear friends. I love him. He was, so, he was kind of in my peripheral vision the entire time. If he could have dug a hole and climbed into it, he would have. <laughs> his his body language, uh, watching him as Dusty and Luke Doggy was the most comical. I, I need I need to put up uh, just a video of that because he was squirming like a five year old in church. Oh my he god! He just didn't know what to do with his hands or himself. And I walked over. I was like, "You okay?" He's like, "That was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen." I don't know how you do what you do. He's like, I don't know how you sit up there and, and have these conversations. It was it was pretty brutal. It was it was riveting television, as was all of Winter Games. But the most riveting and most touching moment of the evening was certainly Claire and Benoit. I was thrilled. I'm so happy for Claire. How did how did all of that come to light? And what did you know before filming began? I knew that uh, they were talking. And I knew that they, you know, things were going well, as I kind of anticipated they would. You know, I think as soon as she said goodbye to Benoit, she immediately regretted it. Yeah. And and then it took two more seconds to spend some time with Christian. And then she really, really regretted it um, as they never made it to the jacuzzi. Um, <laughs> but they, I love that. When you have appointments in Germany, it's a date. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is that is very German engineered right there. Um, but. You know, I think she immediately regretted it. And Benoit was a lover. And I think it was almost just too good to be true for her because she's been so unlucky in love. And so kudos to Benoit to kind of stick through that and be a man and not run away. And, and they fell madly in love. And so that day, you know, the night before, I knew Benoit wanted to propose. I wasn't sure if Claire was going to be ready for it and if she would accept it. She was not in a good space because she didn't know, obviously, yeah. what was coming up. And so, you know, I think it, you know, she was even waffling if she was going to come to the reunion show. And so as producers, we were like trying to convince her, you really want to show up. You really should be there for this. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> and so she, you know, obviously saw that turned out. It was just, I, you know, I can't believe we got a proposal out of Winter Games. I know. I really can't. <laughs> I know. I, I loved Winter Games so much. Um, and I've always liked Paradise, but now, but now, I all I can think about is how to make Paradise more like Winter Games. Have you guys considered that at all? Like a a tweak to the format, given this success? You know, I think what we do is we always learn from our our past and, and our mistakes and our successes. And you know, one of the things we you know we took into the Bachelor Winter Games was don't make it Bachelor Pad. Yeah, because Bachelor Pad had some issues with it. It was a game show, and that that inherently made it a you know, it was a, a bit of a mistake. It was still successful in the ratings, but we didn't love it because it wasn't about relationships. And right. We immediately, the first thing we said about Bachelor Winter Games is, A, we don't know what this is, but B, it's not going to be about winning and losing. It's not about competitions. It's got to be about relationships because that's what we all love. That's what The Bachelor's always been about. So to be able to kind of mold the Winter Games kind of theory and theme and make it into really what The Bachelor's all about is what made it work. And that's Paradise, too. I mean, Paradise has always been about the relationships. And that's why we have so many successful relationships come out of it. I mean, you know, you could argue that Courtney and Lily might be the most successful relationship, even though Claire and Benoit got engaged. I mean, Courtney and Lily, they they don't know us. They're not a part of our family. They weren't, anyway. They are just two kind of outside people and you can really see how much that this concept works. Yeah. Because you know, you can say, Oh, Claire and Ben and Dean and Leslie, they all know the bachelor and they're all part of this or whatever. But you can't say that about Courtney and Lily. They didn't know us. They don't know anything other than 
they came and they fell in love. And how crazy they came from Australia and New Zealand to Vermont to fall in love. I know. And then drove across the country. How <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> how cool is that? I mean, there's, yeah. there's such little like gypsy souls that, you know, and, and by the way, you didn't see and maybe the, the best and the worst part. There's this thing called a shoey. And so was it Courtney and who did it? One of the other either Australians or New Zealand guys did it where they would bet competitions. And if you won or lost, you had to drink out of the other person's shoe. Ew. <laughs> and and I, exactly. It's disgusting. Well, Courtney and Lily made us, made me do that. We did that on set. I drank out of uh, Lily's high, uh, high heel. Wow. We drank a beer. And yes, luckily they did not put that on TV. I always wonder like what your experience is about. And this is a good segue into uh, talking about Ari's season. For someone like Ari, who is has not been on the show in five years, and he's sort of like back to being on TV, and it's a whole new landscape than when he was on Emily's season. What is your role in sort of um, being like his friend or his coach or almost like his therapist throughout the season? Well, you bring up a great point because, you know, when we usually start a season with Ben or, you know, Rachel, JoJo, whoever it is, they've come off the previous season. So we're all moving at a thousand miles an hour and we don't really stop to spoon feed anybody and, and help them along because you, you just came off that season. You kind of get our vibe. You have our speed. You, you know, the, you know, you know, the language and with Ari, you know, he stepped into this tornado and we were all going a thousand miles an hour. And he, he just said, guys, I, I don't know what you're saying. and I don't know what you want here. I, you know, forgive me. I haven't been here in five or six years and it's, you know, and you look back at Ari's season with Emily and, most of the, you know, a lot of the producers aren't the same and we do the show very, you know, not very differently, but, but pretty different. And so, you know, we had to realize, stop, slow down. We can't forget our most important person, which is our bachelor. And so the first week was a little rough on all of us, including Ari's. We had to kind of rebuild him and the show and everybody, you know, get everybody up to speed again and, you know, and, and be, be respectful of where he is in his life. And so that was, it was an interesting dynamic. And for me as host and producer, it was much of the same of kind of having conversations with him that normally maybe I wouldn't have to have with a Ben or, or a Rachel or someone who's, you know, just coming off the last season. But with him, we you know just had to slow things down a little bit, which actually was a, kind of enjoyable for us to step back and go old school. Cool. Yeah. And it comes through in the season, which I, I have enjoyed. Um, and also, he's so he's the actual opposite of Nick, who was kind of like been in the system. The previous Bachelor has like been in the system and on TV for almost like two or three years straight within the Bachelor world, I yeah. guess. And, and and this is not an indictment on Nick at all, because I do. I, I love Nick and it was a good season. But sometimes when they've been a part of the, the, the machine for a while, they kind of speak in the bachelor language. And while that's helpful, you know, for editing and sound bites, I think sometimes it makes you disingenuous or sound disingenuous mm -hmm. and, and less sincere. And you're not really sure, like, you know, does he really mean this? Or is he just saying those same words again about the next Lauren or the next Kelly or whatever? And so <laughs> with, with Ari, when he speaks, you're like, Oh, that's not bachelor language. He's just speaking English. And, and so I think it was refreshing for everybody. Yeah, it's, def it's definitely been different. I could see that being a cool experience when you are part of the machine, as you put it, just because it, like, forces you to audit what you're doing and, like, how things work and kind of be a little bit more, take a step back from, from like, well, the usual. It's hard for me sometimes to interview, you know, because the, the producers will interview these people a lot. And then when I go in to talk to them, I don't want that. I, I don't want programmed Nick. I want Nick. And, and, you know, I think you saw it when we had kind of our, I called it our come to Jesus meeting, uh, 
in, uh, on the island and, and where I sat down with him and said, okay, you're, you're just coasting through this. We got to shake things up and I need Nick to show up. You know, I don't need producer guy. You know, I, I want the real guy. And so for sometimes I have to be a little, you know, blunt with him to shake things up because I don't, I don't want that guy or yeah. that girl. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I have been very impressed with Ari's women this season. I think they have, in many ways, outshined, too. outshined Ari. I think, it, I think it was a very good dynamic group. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, also, like, a lot of women with, like, legit careers. I've talked about this a lot, but it's important and changes the show a little bit in, like, a really cool way. And there's some real standouts. And I'm curious, from your vantage point, what was your read on Becca the young Becca the younger, or we call her Becca? Becca M. Yeah, Becca M. Exactly. Um, like, what was your read on her um, from the beginning, and and what was it like watching her kind of emerge as an important character this season? One of the things I love again, I go, I go back to, you know, this is just a microcosm of real life, and and just the mirror image, and and I think, you know, watching Ari have to deal with Becca being young. I thought was fascinating. Um, you know, I, I'm in the dating world. It's stuff I think about and deal with, and everybody does. Is physical chemistry enough? Is, is ignorance bliss where you can just go and say, you know what? I like her. Nothing else matters. You know, the world be damned and everybody else be damned. Or do you need to think a little bit and think, okay, yes, we have chemistry and we get along and, and she intrigues me. But, you know, when she's 35, when she's 36, then what will she want and what will she be? And, and can she know that at 22 or 23? Um, and, and ultimately Ari's decision and answer to that was no. And so I just, I thought it was amazing. And, and that's nothing, absolutely nothing to take away from Becca M. She is an amazing woman. And I think well beyond her years yeah. in experience. And I mean, the way she talks and the way she talked it, you know, to go further into the women tell all, she handled herself with such grace and composure well beyond any of the other women in the room. I mean, you would have thought she was 35 years old. You can't be mad at Becca for being 22. And that's one of the things I, I think was compelling is people were mad at her. And I, I don't get that. Yeah, I love you Becca. Know, you, you can't. Why are you mad that she's an adorable 22-year-old woman? Like, that, that seems, this seems so silly. Maybe we're just jealous because she has youth on her side. But yeah, um, that, that was really odd to me. But I thought Ari I, handled it perfectly. Yeah, I, th- I think, like the, like, the anger is... Um, as women get older, they see it's like the like the dating pool for men and women shifts, you know, like with men, it sort of like gets wider as they get older. But for women, it almost like is more narrow. So I think for the demographic of Bachelor viewers, they're sort of even if it's not like articulated that way, there's sort of like a like, oh, of course, he's into the 22 year old kind of thing that comes through. You know what I mean? You know, one thing I want to impress upon people, because this is something I, I have to have this talk with each Bachelor Bachelorette. Because Ari was worried. He knew he was going to catch crap from everybody about Becca being 22. Yeah. And I said, look, you can't worry about the outside world. You can't worry about if you make a decision or when you make a decision. Just know that you're going to make a decision and, and leave it at that. And know that, you know, at some point you're going to come to the right conclusion about Becca. And then you'll go from there. And if it's this week, great. If it's next week, that's fine. Right. You know, same thing with Crystal. You know, people are like, oh, he kept Crystal, he kept Crystal. Well, look, was he going to marry Crystal? No, probably not. You know, and, and what did it matter that it lasted one more week just to make sure of his decision? So just know that how you get there is your own path and your own journey, just like in real life. Like, you're not on anyone else's timetable. Right. And it, you can't it, think of the world out there. It you is all about the journey, you, as, as you said. I'm glad you brought up Crystal. 
what was behind the scenes? What was the moment where Crystal turned? Like, because she's introduced in the in the first episode as like maybe a little intense. Clearly has a backstory with her family. She's here to win. And then she and Chelsea was kind of positioned more as like the villain of the season. And then very quickly it became Crystal. So I'm wondering if there was a moment behind the scenes when you when you and the other producers are like, oh, Crystal is the real villain of the season. and People are going to be talking about her. You know, it's always interesting how people evolve on the show. And again, same thing where, you know, Ari, you have to remember, doesn't see and hear everything. And, right. um, you know, Crystal, he and Crystal had this great chemistry. They did. They had this great chemistry. They got along. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was two, three weeks in. There really wasn't a, a time where I, I saw it and thought, oh, my God, this, okay, she's got to go. But it just, it's something that kind of happens. And it's sometimes this process gets the better of people. Sometimes the competition kind of gets the better of people. And they do and say things they wouldn't normally do in the dating world. If Crystal and Ari were just dating, would she have been like that? Probably not. I mean, I don't know, but probably not. She probably would have been normal and fine. And, you know, she may have still had that scratchy voice, but, um, <laughs> you know, she may have not been the way she was. And, you know, I look back at people like Courtney uh, from Ben Flanick season or Michelle Money from Brad Womack season. And, you know, these are people I've gotten to know very well and am friends with now. And I know they're not bad women. Yeah. But did they act in a certain way on the show that made them the villain? Yeah. And, and so, same thing with Crystal. Uh, and again, I don't know her very well. I'm not friends with her yet. You know, maybe she's around Bachelor Nation a while. I'll get to know her better. But, you know, I know we're all just so quick to say, oh, God, she's a bitch or she's this. And, you know, life's not that simple. You know, this is a pretty extraordinary situation. And when you have people, because she did have a target on her back. And in her defense, when you are very popular early on, that's almost the kiss of death if you're not one of the, you know, quote unquote, popular girls in the house because. Then it's almost like Mean Girls, and you have everybody kind of coming at you. And if you don't know how to handle that, it can get ugly real quick. And it did with Crystal. Yeah, and also she—it's it, since come out, and actually just we discussed on a previous episode of this podcast with Rob Mills off camera. She was calling Ari hashtag not Peter. That's certainly not something she would do in the regular dating world. It wouldn't even wouldn't mean anything. So she right exactly. Um, do you uh, watch every episode back, or like how much are you involved after filming? Like, and how much do you care? Um, well, I care very much because it's my life sure. and it's my livelihood. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, interested in on, on many reasons. Obviously, there's the just the business side of it. Um, you know, I do post-production because I do all the voiceover work for the show as well. Do I ever, you know, do I always watch it when it comes out on ABC? Not necessarily. Usually I've seen it before then or, or you know, whenever. But I find it intriguing what I leave in the field and, and the feeling I have mm. of, when I leave Peru or wherever I am in the world with the, with the show, as opposed to the feeling I have when I watch it back on TV, because obviously you don't see everything. You can't because, you know, we shoot so much stuff. And so we narrow it down. So I find it interesting to see, you know, what has been chosen to be, to be shown to the, to the viewer. Right. Um, and our post-production team are, they are incredible at telling stories and, you know, creating the show out of what we shoot in the field. I, I love watching it back and just seeing what it looks like on HDTV because it is. It's it's a pretty magnificent looking show. Yeah, and that's been a big shift since the show started and with your time with it because it, it wasn't always in HD. That, that's that been like, what, the last seven years, no, I guess? 
Sadly, thank, thank you for dating me. No, it was not always <laughs> Nate's dating. I'm sorry, Chris. Um, while I'm insulting you, you know, dating you, I have to tell you, I'm not sure if you're aware, but on this podcast, we keep track of all of your seconds on the show every single week. We do a Chris, a Chris, Har- <laughs> a Chris Harrison TRT, which is why I was asking if you watch the show back, because I was wondering if, like, if you think about that, because I do. Because I'm always so curious about, like, every time Ari's making a decision, how involved are you and, and and how much of that do we actually see? Because obviously you're doing a lot with Ari, and I know that you are, um, you know, you're obviously on location, yeah. and we don't always see it. And so you know, I'm just sort of curious about that. You know, I, I learned a long time ago, and, I, and and luckily, you know, I am the host of this show, so I, I, I understand that The Bachelor The Bachelorette has to be the star of this show. This is not a, quote-unquote, host-driven show, like— they dance with the stars or American Idol where you need, or even when I do, who wants to be a millionaire? You know, that is a, that's a host driven show. Totally. Where I lead the show and I run the show. The bachelor's not like that. It can't be. If the show is ever about me, then we have a really crappy season. The use of me as, as a host, as a, whatever I am at the time, a therapist, a instigator, um, <laughs> is kind of carefully planned. And some, some stuff you see, and a lot of it you don't see. I mean, there's a lot of conversations and a lot of times where I'll just go in and have a conversation that needs to be had, but it's not really for TV consumption. It's more of it just, we needed that push at the time or right. we needed you know, whatever that, that lever that needed to be pushed. And so sometimes we think it's good TV and we'll, we'll use it. Sometimes we don't. And it, it just depends, but I'm always fine shooting it. And yeah, I watch back like everybody and go, huh? Yeah. That <laughs> wasn't used. Um, and then and I get frustrated too. If I have a funny line or something clever or, or something I think was good, and yeah, I can, you know, get my little feelers hurt and that it wasn't used. But at the end of the day, all I care about is this show and the, and the success of the show. And when our ratings are good and when Bachelor Nation's happy, look, people can give me crap all they want for how much I am or I'm not on the show. I don't care. I've been doing this for 17 years and hopefully I'll do it for 17 more. Um, and people can still complain. I'm happy to do my part, whatever that is. And luckily, I grew up in team sports, so I get it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it does sound like it really do- it takes a village to make the show happen. I'd love to know about a moment which you were played the instigator. Is there one that pops to mind? Because I, I love that idea of, of you kind of like pulling the levers behind the scenes. I mean, I it's it's obvious that sometimes when there's like been questions asked sometimes, particularly in winter games, when it's like Dean and well, Leslie. I, I don't know why. Maybe I just maybe it's because I mentioned it. But, you know, Nick, you know, uh, well, and Rachel, I had I had some pretty interesting conversations with Nick and Rachel where, you know, Sometimes the producers have had conversations and they've just they've just kind of beat their head against the wall and then they'll come to me and say, "Look, I, we need we need fresh eyes on this. We need someone to go in and just have a regular conversation with somebody they recognize and respect and and know is going to be right and true with them." And so sometimes it'll be just take me to go sit down and knock on the door and yeah, we shoot it and we put it on camera, but a lot of times the producers will say, "Look, we need this. Probably not going to use it." But this is what we need out of this conversation. And I get it. That's that's my job when I switch from producer, from kind of host to producer, where I need to help produce a moment or, or a, uh, a feeling. We, you know, we need to light a fire under Nick's behind and get him serious about this. Right. Um, and so, you know, sometimes they just need someone to have a compassionate shoulder to cry on, whatever it is. You know, I kind of hopefully carry that weight and that respect in the franchise. So when I show up, they know things are changing and this is serious. The entire team, we create this amazing environment with which the reality happens. Um, but it really does happen. This is real and it really does feel that way. And it's hard to explain unless you're there. And it's a, just like life, it's a very fluid thing. You can't just, I can't sit here right now and tell you how the Bachelorette's going to be 
next season because I don't know who, who it is yet. And so she'll bring, whoever it is, will bring her own issues, background, history. So will the guys. And it's going to be a wild ride. Something will happen we've never faced before. I don't know what it is, but it's inevitable. You can't have that many different personalities and, and, and levels of history and not have something kind of bizarre happen. And so as a producer, you have to be really good about finding those stories pulling them out and then kind of cultivating them to where they are, are worthy of making it on TV and, and making it good TV. Um, and so it's, you know, that's really the genius of our producers. I'm pulling is, so hard just, for Tia, like just so hard. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. She's a fan favorite. I uh, love but it her. Is. It's fascinating behind the scenes for sure. Um, one final question for you. I'm really more of a yep. topic. Is there anything you can tease about next week's finale? I mean, it's going to, uh, it's going to be a big one. Seems like it'll be a hard choice. And yeah. yeah. Oh man. Just get just get ready. Just get ready for <laughs> the wildest week you've ever had in Bachelor history. I, I don't know how else to explain it other than I I don't even truly know exactly what's to come because it's going to be live. There's a lot of live TV coming up in the next week, and when things are live, you just don't know how they're going to go. And this especially is going to be just crazy. It's it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. Would you say it's the most dramatic finale in Bachelor history? I would say, and I hate, I see this, I don't even want to say that because that cheapens it, but this will easily be the most dramatic finale in Bachelor history. But this time for reals, for reals, I mean it. I can't wait to see it. Um, Chris, thank you so much for calling and giving us your time. It's awesome to talk to you. And hopefully you'll uh, come back on in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for all the love and support. And uh, we will see you guys next week Thanks. for the most dramatic finale in Bachelor history. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank, <laughs> thanks so much, Chris. Bye. Have a good day. Thanks again to Chris Harrison for calling in. And of course, to Andrew Gordadaro for breaking down the fantasy suites with me. I'm Juliette Littman. I'll be back on Thursday.